You got it? I got it. Okay. So Welcome to Shabbatify. I'm Rabbi Scott Perlow. And I'm Chazam Basia Schechter. And also the New York City Fire Department behind you. You know, Basia, podcasting in the modern age is very difficult. Very difficult. Very hard for us. I think unless you unless you understand that it's real. Like, you know, it's why real. do we have to podcast like in a bubble if we're living in New York City? That's true. It's its own bubble. See what I did there? Yes. What did you do? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no. right. That was a critique of New Yorkers by someone from the West Coast. I've come at this point in time completely ruined the welcome. So let me start again. <laughs> welcome to Shabbatify. Welcome <laughs> to Shabbatify. <laughs> me and all of you out there, Rome, Brooklyn. Uh, this is our Air Shabbat podcast. And our Parsha this week is a. Behar Bechukotai. Behar Bechukotai on the mountain with the laws. I wonder what I wonder if like there's an option to do like on the mountain without laws or <laughs> off the mountain with the laws. <laughs> I want to do point out that what you're suggesting does seem a little antithetical to the whole story because the mountain is where we got the laws. I know, but like again, I keep saying it. We're in renewal Judaism, so yeah, yeah, it's fair enough. <laughs> what would you have said on Sinai? Listen, I like this first part. I like the mountain. <laughs> well, I think, can you tone down? Can you I tone think down this is exactly going to bring us into our very, very particular uh, podcast this week on really figuring yeah, out true. what are laws and how 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 do they make meaning in our lives and what kind of yeah. laws do you create for yourself? Or what are the rules that we live by? So that's what we're going to discuss a little bit further first. Let's do our first piece of music. Shalom, Tutim. 
החיים שלנו תותים, החיים שלנו טוב, פתחנו פג'ורה, קיצרנו מספיק, כפינו טובה. עכשיו נחזור אחורה אל הבסיס, זמן לומר תודה. תודה. תודה על הרוח. שאין לי זמן לנוח תודה על השבת תודה על שני בנים ובת תודה על כל היופי על הזכות לראות את מסי על התיקון, על המהות תודה על הילדות אין לנו זכות בכלל להתלונן הכל תפוחם סבב ברוך השם כי החיים שלנו תותים החיים שלנו תותים החיים שלנו תותים, החיים שלנו החיים שלנו תותים, החיים שלנו תותים, החיים שלנו תותים, החיים שלנו
when you're younger, you want, you think you have a lot of hubris. You think that you could tear down all structures and you think that, you know, the system is, is the thing that has to be overthrown and that you can do it and you can break down the doors. And so you don't, you stop paying attention to the flow and like, the, and so you want to be in the fight. At least I'm saying, I'm speaking universally. I'm really speaking personally. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's our, all right. I agree with you universally. So there you go. <laughs> so, I mean, how does this land for you personally? Well, one of the things I think about is like when I was just getting ordained, you know, you're sort of full of piss and vinegar and you think that you're going to do it different than anyone who's ever done it before you. And there are these rules and these ideas and these things that you just don't like. You don't want to do the same way that other people have done it. And and I'm not saying that's completely wrong. You know, if it wasn't for that, there wouldn't be a lot of innovation out there. But every once in a while, there's like rules that only make sense after 20 years. There's like stuff that rabbis of mine did where I was like, I don't understand why. And only after a decade in the rabbinate does it make sense to me. Okay, now I have to, I have to ask you, like, for example. Well... All right, this is one that I have a lot of conflict about, which is like people calling me rabbi. Like when I came out of school, I was like, I'm Scott. It's just title, man. Titles like divide us up into like small segments of society and so on and so forth. And, um, and there were a few moments where I kept finding that the people that I wanted to call me Scott would call me rabbi. And the people who I needed to call me rabbi insisted on calling me Scott. <laughs> it was <laughs> it was really annoying. I mean, unless so because like it didn't make the relationship clear. You know, I I don't think I've ever mentioned this to you, but let's just say that there was like someone at a synagogue of mine who were was was convinced that our relationship should be otherwise. You know, right. a lot more personal than I ever wanted it to be and would not let that idea go. Now, I don't know if there's anything that could have been done to stop that from what I understand about that particular thing. It was, um, but, you know, sometimes I started to understand why some of my teachers were like, use the title. Right. Is that so, crazy? Is that is that like, not crazy, is that, I guess, I don't know. Does, what do you think about that? It's a good question. I think, for me, I don't have any hard and fast rules about being Chazen Basia or Basia, like, um, uh, I think I was much more against the title of Chazan when I first also got ordained, which was just about five years ago. Um, and it was it took years to actually even wear the title and feel like in clothed and and uh, and nourished by the title and like connected to the title as if it made sense to, um, that it described me in some way. And um, I think now when I hear it, I feel like there's like a tradition behind it. Chazen, Chazen, like, oh, the Chazen, the person who's, who does the Mishaberach, Chazen, the one who brings us into, like, music, Chazen, like, there's just some kind of resonance, some kind of echo of all the Chazens that went before and created this, this, uh, this texture of Chazen, you know? And so I like it now. I don't mind it. And I used to, I used to feel very alienated by it or, like, or like it, it, it um, it brought up a fourth wall that I didn't feel was necessary. Yeah. Um, now That's I don't. What I was worried about too. Now it doesn't bother me. Now I like it, and I don't need it. Like it's both. It feels like both something that feels like warm when people say it. Like I just, I, I do have like warmth when people say it. Like call yeah. me that. They, they relate to me in that title, in that, in that, in that, in that position, and. And I'm also not dependent on it. I'm not, I don't, like if someone just wants to call me boss, I feel that that works too. I think I'm in a similar place. I don't really care. I mean, like, I think you, I think you know, I don't really care if like people, by the way, you know what's interesting about the title Chazan? Do you know the root that it comes from? Uh, chazon, um, like prophecy. Um, and I think it's prophecy. Yeah, it's it's, it's from chaze, chaze, vision. It's it's always really interesting to me that um, it uses it refers to a different sense, different bodily sense than um, than than the people who who bear the title actually you know primarily use. It's it's synesthetic, as they say. So that's um, beautiful. I think what I like about the synesthesia is that it gives. I think music is like almost like a psychedelic. It can give you visions. 
Mm. It gives you like um, it gives you impressions and textures and emotions that 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 uh, that are colorful and that like our entire world. So maybe it does make sense in that kind of way that that's what that's what music and that's what spiritual sacred music does especially. That's very cool. I never thought about it as synesthetic. Synesthetic. Synesth. I forget it. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't get it. But I know what you're trying to say. This is the keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going on, keep going on song. This is the keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going on, keep going on song. This is the keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going on, keep going on song. I am Abigail. And this is Sean, and we're so glad that you've turned this on. 
and welcomed us into your home, and you are welcome into our home. We're in Dayton, Ohio. Sean's parents' house. We were in Louisville when the shit hit, and we packed our three-year-old into a car. We drove kind of far. We drove here, and we've been so lucky and blessed to be safely here. And we thought we'd be here for like ten days. What did we know? What did we know? We thought we knew a lot. We thought we knew a lot. Are you okay? Are you all right? Are you okay? Are you all right? Are you okay? I hope your body is whole tonight. And if your heart is breaking, I hope it's breaking open. And if your breath is shaking, I hope it's shaking through. And then I hope that you've watched a lot of really great television, like a lot of it. And I hope that you find a hand lotion that actually makes your skin feel better. And I hope that you have enough to eat. I hope you're getting enough sleep. And I hope you have enough good company or enough good memory to last you a long time. Keep going, keep going, keep going on. 
All right, what else you got? What other rules do you live by, Vasa? I said, I think one of the thing, rules I live by is something that I studied of Reb Nachman, which seems to directly contradict the previous rule that I live by. <laughs> <laughs> well, consistency is the hobgoblin of the simple mind, says, uh, says Emerson. So you're in, you're, in good, you're in good company. I like that rule. I'll live by that one. Yeah, that's, that's a good what, one. Um, I'll tell I use you it every what. time I say something that is completely contradictory of like what I said before. Perfect. I need that. I need that rule. You need to send that to me. I need to write <laughs> okay. that one down. I'll make you a sampler. The reason why this other rule uh, contradicts it is because it's a is a, a Nachman teaching. There's no obstacle in the world because every obstacle is a portal to the divinity within everything. Hmm. It's a it's a it's a pathway to the to 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 the divine, and um, I think that one is also my that's also my teaching. There's like something in the struggle or something in the block in the road that, when properly um, witnessed, when properly grappled with, entered into, and respected and honored and fought with. There's something in there that brings you to the other side, that it's not just the difficulties that tell you, like, go the other way, mm. but there's something about entering into the difficulty that brings you to, like, to the expanse. Wow, that's so beautiful. That's so much more elevated than any of my rules. My rules are not nearly as, like, elegant as, as your rules. Ancient Minyavu Alam, I love that. Well, what's, what's your rules? Let's, let's compare contrast. Well, what I was thinking of is I, I live by a rule that um, I'm probably wrong. That's one of my rules. I love that rule. That works for me. <laughs> <laughs> as, as your colleague. No, I'm serious. It's like one of my rules is I'm probably wrong. Rules. I don't know. It's like one of the things that I hold on to. <laughs> You definitely stepped into that one. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's the whole point of the rule. See? I think that's a really humility-based rule that is so beautiful. Like, you think it's so, it's so minor or so, or so, less, so much less elegant, but I think it's such a deep, like, it's, it's like a deep, 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 um, teaching to every to anyone and everyone that you can actually sit in the I think I'm wrong I might I might not have the whole story I might not see the I might not have the full perspective and I'm going to I'm going to see your side well thank you I actually think that you've gotten like to the heart of why why I use it so like I feel things very deeply I feel things my my feelings are always set up set on 11 and it's one of the reasons I'm, I do this, as I think that there was, like, there's some benefits to that. But there's this beautiful English psychologist, psychoanalytic psychologist, who, writer named Adam Phillips, who's like very, people love him, people know him. And he wrote an essay once called On Being Too Much for Yourself. And it's this great essay, this, this writer, who really good friend of mine named Alyssa who, Strauss, who I went to nursery school with, she sent it to me. And what's interesting about Alyssa is that she speaks very quietly. So you think she's like this very sort of like settled and quiet person, um, but that is not her at all. She's like, a, she feels everything deeply. She sort of encounters everything deeply. She's an amazing, amazing person. I hope she listens to this. And I really resonated with this essay. I really always felt like the way that I felt was too much. Like there was just too much of it. And, and like, how do I bring that into spaces? Like, how do I navigate that 
when like to let other people know the the depth of how I'm feeling about something would actually be like not a favor that I was doing them, you know, and still honor my own experience. And then the only way that I've really been able to do it amongst other things is just the way that I've been able to do it is by saying like, my feelings are based on a perspective and that perspective is almost always missing something. So if I'm feeling like super, super intense about something and it's negative, I'm probably wrong. There's something I'm missing. Um, and that helps a lot. I mean, that's deep Torah for me. Um, as somebody, as as a co-conspirator in the feeling too yes. much department. <laughs> <laughs> We're literally partners in that crime. Um, wow, I definitely feel a lot. Um, there's a project that uh, a friend of mine and I are doing together called Songs to Live By. And I think it's inspired from this place. Oh, yeah, we're going to play one of those songs as part of the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think we were like the the um, inspiration that you had for this podcast. You know, when you look at the Parsha and more and more is so many rules that seem to exclude exclude us. You know, we just came from Kadoshim, which are all about. Um, the ways humans should treat each other and and good ways to kind of bring people to a holy place. And I think we're in another Parsha where all of a sudden, you know, anybody with a disability isn't good enough to 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 give an offering to the to the divine and all these other rules that are for the elite, for the Kohan, Kohen, for the priest. And I think what you extracted from this is that there are rules to live by in the Torah for this group, but you know we have all of us cultivated over our lifetimes ways and rules to live by and rules to ignore. Well, that's true, but I, I, I want to either tweak or slightly disagree because I don't think I think there's like what you drew out is that Kedoshim is rules for everybody, and Emor is rules for a few, and. I'm sure in many ways the priests are the elite, but I think of them as the professionals. And I'm a professional myself, you are too. We, we went to school for what we do. And it's always funny to me when someone asks me this question of like, sometimes I get a question like on Facebook, like, Rabbi, what are your top three tips for a great wedding? And it, in my head is like, I wanna ask my surgeon, like, Larry, what are your top three tips for a great, like, for a great heart surgery? You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, like I, it took a long time, you know, we, I had to train, it, it was, and so I think that sometimes, you know, the Torah speaks in two voices. One is rules for everybody. The Torah speaks in many voices, but in this case, the Torah is speaking in two different voices. What are rules for everybody? And also what are rules for people in a particular role that have to be learned, studied, right? Where it, it really takes experience to know what to do. You and I would know what that's like. That actually makes sense to me. That makes sense. And, but I think what I can extract from what you just said is that everybody who's listening, everybody in this world is a professional in something and has cultivated something. And so there are rules that I think people over time find that work for them and give them guidance. So I think that was the inspiration for our podcast this week to share ours and to kind of invite people into getting in touch with the ones that they live by. I know you're hearing dead silence on the other end of the line. Sorry, totally. I mean to, I, I was supposed to be supportive right there. Let me be supportive. I, I like your point. <laughs> what, what, what I was thinking about was that I think like maybe we're disagreeing on this in that is it about the rules that you found for yourself or it is about the rules that actually somebody told you and you're like, that rule is stupid until you realized that there was a lot of wisdom in what they were saying. Or maybe it's about both. I think it's about both because I think we've shared different rules that have um, either their rules that we thought didn't mean anything, but now they do. And rules that we came up um, with because of our own experiences. So I think right. that's fair. That's fair.
So I know we've been sharing a lot of um, personal wisdom and personal rules, but I'm wondering, uh, Rabbi Scott, um, <laughs> are there any rules? I don't even know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't even know what to say, Rabbi. I'm trying it out. 
But I have a question for you. I have a question. Okay, fine. Sorry. <laughs> I have a question. I'm wondering if there's any, are, are there any rules that you live by that are directly from our ancient Torah wisdom? Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, I haven't, I haven't chucked the whole thing. Um, you haven't renewed the whole thing out. I have not renewed the whole thing, although we should talk about it at some point because I'm actually very taken by Rob Zalman's idea of what uh, that means vote need to not just be restored but renewed. Like we should do, we should do something like that. I'm reading this right now. Oh, very nice. I'm actually reading it. Life in Jewish renewal. Yes, I'm reading it right at this moment. This is my bedtime reading. Wow, we should talk. About, we should talk about it at some point. We should talk about it at some point. Yeah. Oh, Rob Zalman's in the podcast today. Yeah. Yeah, I just need to say, like, my approach actually to halacha, to Jewish law, is I, by default, keep what I can unless I've come to a place where I'm like, this is not keepable um, for various reasons or one. That's sort of how I approach things. But what I can tell you is the ones that really stick with me, like the ones where I've, there's a few that I really learn the wisdom of. Um, and one of them is when you enter into a shiva house, you let the mourner speak first. I, I mean, I even when I heard it, I thought it was smart. But I, when I was in school, there was a group of parents who came in to visit us, and this was like their service, like this was their like holy avoda, to come in to speak to rabbis. And the reason they came is because this group of parents were united by common tragedy; they'd all lost children. Why did they come to speak to rabbis? Because they wanted to tell us list for us all the stupid things that people had said to them all the offensive things that people had said to them after their children died because as my algebra 2 teacher used to say to me it's human nature he he would say scott but it's i was just expanded to human nature mr metzger would be like scott you release the clutch on your mouth before you engage the engine of your brain and and that was a big one so one of the big ones that I, list, that I live by is that when I come into a like, house morning, I listen before I talk. I always thought that was a beautiful law. I love that. I think that is beautiful, beautiful. Um, it's so interesting. In, 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 um, in a conversation with your rule, um, actually in your way of trying to keep everything as best as you can more, like, like as strongly as you can, in some ways, I'm the exact opposite on that level because I always consider myself make heal by nature. I am, I, I interpret every law in its like least stringent form. <laughs> yes, I've experienced this. <laughs> well, I think it's because I'm, I'm <laughs> along with your deep impatience with any of my from kite, by the way, because you were so much more from than I will ever be in my life. Like when I'm like baby from, like you've got no patience for it. It's my, it's, it's actually very sweet. It's, <laughs> it's, um, I think I was trying to like do that thing with the Omer the other night where I was like, no, we can't announce the night that we're counting before we've actually counted it or something along those lines. And you were like, this is the night, like you were, you were just not having any of it. And there are some things like that. I'm like that, that are still indoctrinated indoctrinations inside me that I do still hold that are some similar to what you just said that I still do. So I can totally relate to like wanting to do things <laughs> like wanting to keep wanting to keep the like, you know, this like when you when you when you do badikas chametz, you should not blah, blah, blah. You know, like it gives yeah, yeah. it gives like the it keeps a mystique around things it keeps a mystique which I, I like that i do like that sometimes but i think in terms of hard halacha i think because i'm so hard on myself it's so easy to be hard on myself when it comes to halacha i like my rule to myself is to be mekiel by nature because that's an option even according to halacha is there's always a machmir point of view and a mekiel you can either be more stringent or you could go like find the least the least like oppressive um interpretation of the expression of the uh, rule. Okay, some people would say the least strict, but some people would say the least oppressive. <laughs> I understand where you're going. You know what? I have to say something. I remember the moment where, like, I couldn't do it anymore. I mean, just to talk about being make about things and sometimes, like, putting things aside because I just think it's important to... There's a really m minor, but, like, people get taught at Halakha about how you're supposed to tie your right shoe before your left shoe. Mm-hmm. 
And that's so funny. That was it for me. That broke me. I couldn't do it. Part of it is I'm left-handed. Part of it is like I'm a little OCD by nature. But like I felt a little bit like my mind would break if that's how I thought about things. So interesting. I had a similar moment in my life too. What was it? It was it was when I was seven. It had to do with a blech, I think. And oh, just to explain, a blech is a thing <laughs> that you put over the burners of a stove that are lit on Shabbos so you can keep food warm. Yeah, that's also it's called blech, which is a less than desirable name. But I realized I had a moment that I also because I had been OCD halachically, like from the age of like four to seven, to the point that my mind would race with like yeah. Mm-hmm. Race with like the stringency. Oh, this the 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 negavaser underneath the bed, and this hand, that hand, and like I was like I was so OCD in my head about all those rules, and something snapped. Just like with you, like literally, it snapped. It's like if I go down this road, I'm doomed. I really felt the same way. It's hard because on the one hand, without the structure, like I was probably drawn to luck. I really, I'm someone who lives by a lot of that structure. That's how I make my life beautiful. And I think that it's not the way that everyone does it, but I really need it. And like, you're really caught between like, I feel caught between too little and too much. Like it's this, it's a very complicated dance. Exactly. I couldn't even understand how people kept some of the rules that you're talking about without going crazy. I think a lot of people do go crazy. (laughs) They just go crazy. (laughs) (laughs) And they pass it on to their children and then those children go crazy. And then there's like, you know, suddenly there's like a lot of weird stuff going on in the community that people need a lot of therapy for. Uh, And there's also a lot of beauty. Like, I can't only just say that. I just, there's a lot of beauty. I think what I came to, and this is one of the last rules that I wanted to talk about was, um, I, I think, you know, you were talking about algebra. I had one of my, like, total epiphanies about who I was in the world based on a very poor understanding of of uh, organic chemistry in ninth grade. Organic chemistry? Yes. God bless you. And I think what, I think the title of the memoir that I hope to write one day is coming from this understanding, this like faux understanding of something that may or may not be the actual scientific way of how things go. But we were learning about the, the atom and that the integrity of an atom is held together by these electrons that are the closest to the nucleus. And those are the electrons that keep the nature of the element the intact. And, um, and as it absorbs light, these electrons become excitable and they kind of go to the outer rungs of the, of, the, of the atom. And then those excitable ones become available to connect with other excitable ones. And then new compounds and new structures and new combinations are made. And so it came clear to me, literally in ninth grade, because I've been struggling for so many years already in so many ways. And I said, I know who I am. I am the excitable electron. I am not the electron that keeps, like, I, I was like, the Hasidic electrons are the ones that are keeping, like, staying really close to the center. And they're keeping the purism and the, and the, and the and the and the textures, the old school, very particular nature of each atom intact, and I was just not that. So I just understood myself in the fluid mosaic of this, of the way atoms and elements and those things, nucleuses, how they all worked in this kind of. And it was a poor understanding. I was only in ninth grade, so I'm sure there's more complexity to this whole mosaic. But that it gave me wow. an understanding. How beautiful, the excitable election. That's going to be the title of my memoir. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Um, according to your next girlfriend, I'm dark matter. So there you go. Wow. What did she mean by that? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing good. <laughs> no, I just, I'm just making a joke. I love that. The excitable electron. Yeah. And that helps me understand my placement. in, And so I, I, can, I can respect and feel close to the people that I, that I grew up with and respect their path without feeling that it negates mine. I really hear you. And not only that, but I feel such kinship to the idea that we're defined both by what we're bound to and also what energy leads us to break free from. I'm going to take a breath on that one. That's so beautifully expressed. Mm. Could you say that again? I just think that, like, you know, for those of us who are in this weird space in between who are, like, deeply connected to Jewish life but aren't 
Orthodox or in the Haredi world or in the Hasidic world that are in the neo-Hasidic world that our lives are so much defined by what we're bound to but also what the energy causes us to break free from you know yeah I love that I love that so much well let's let that be the bracha for today it is such a let's let that be the bracha today both what holds you close and what causes you to go off on your own trajectory may be blessed by both of those things Shabbat Shalom. Amen. All right, so we should make brachas? Yeah, I think, I don't know, some of you are going to be listening on Friday as Shabbat is coming in. Some of you are listening on Shabbat day when Shabbat is already here. Some of you might be listening on Sunday when you actually have a moment and Shabbat is over. But either way, blessings are really always welcome. So please join us. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam Asher kitshanu b'mitzvotav V'tzivanu l'hadlik ne'er shel Shabbat Amen. Grab a cup, fill it up with wine or grape juice. Seltzer. Seltzer? I mean, if you're not using the seltzer for the matzo balls, then... Use it for the Kiddush. <laughs> Grab a cup, fill it up with wine or with grape juice, and especially blessings. Lift it up with us. Hold it in your hands, fingers together, as we should all be unified in our hearts and our souls. And here's the blessing over Kiddush. Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Amen. <laughs> Yotanu kidashta mikol haamim, Vishabat kochecha, Beahava uvratson hinchaltanu, Baruchata Adonai, Mikadesh hashabat. Amen. Baruchata Adonai. Eloheinu ruach haolam Hamotzi lechem in haaretz Good Shabbos, good Shabbos, good Shabbos 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 Good Shabbos, good Shabbos